Hello, and welcome to the podcast from Christ Community Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. This is the message given on Sunday morning, September 17th, 2023, by our very special guest, Bill Page. Bill is from New York City, was the chaplain for the New York Giants, and served as the special assistant to the president of Young Life for 21 years. He was in town to speak at the Anderson County Young Life Banquet, but also blessed us at Triple C with a message because of his friendship and relationship with Tom Job. In fact, we'll go ahead and let Tom introduce him to you now with a story of how they met when they were both serving the Young Life Ministry in Spain. Take it away, Tom. And um, I went there and didn't really know know anyone, but another person who came who also I had to give talks was a guy named Bill. And I don't, I I just was like, he he was amazing. I mean, it was just like, he had so much wisdom to share, but more than that, he just had such, he just had such a sweet heart and we just became friends and, and just kind of, you know, I was just like, he's the best. Like Bill Page was the best. And I didn't really know at the time that he was the most famous person I'd ever met. But like, but Bill Page was, it just it turned out I didn't know that. And then we did it, then there was another thing, and Bill was there. I was like, I didn't know you were here. And so we just kind of bonded. We were at something in Colorado together. And but so Bill Page, but I didn't realize that Bill Page had been a chaplain for the New York Giants for a long time. He was a he did chaplain work for a lot of uh, major league baseball teams. He, the Yankees and and others and other other football teams and all that he's spoken at five Pro Bowl chaplain services in Hawaii and but the but the thing that also he just did the most was um, was for 21 years he was um, a special the special assistant to the president of Young Life and um, so j- just traveled all over the world. This is the last state that Bill Page has not preached in. And I spent most of, of most of yesterday trying to explain to him that when somebody says, I don't care to do something, it means they're going to do it. And he's like, there, there's no way that means that. And I was like, well, it just does. It just, it just does, but... Um, but Bill, he just, he's, he's done so, he's just done so many things. And we've always, we've always thought, we got to do something together. We got to meet up and do something together. And then, and, uh, and then it turned out, we were like, who's going to speak at our Young Life Banquet? And I thought, I could ask Bill if he would do it. And so Bill's, Bill's speaking tomorrow night at our, at our Young Life Banquet. I'm, I'm just so excited about it. But um, Bill, Bill, he's probably spoken at more... Um, Golly, every year he does uh, Young Life Family Camps for military families, for people whose whose moms and dads and husbands and wives are, they, a few years ago, they were always either getting deployed or coming home, and he was the one that God put in their life to get them ready to either go or come, and um, he's done, I know Bill's done more, um, there's a branch of Young Life called Young Lives, which is a Young Life ministry to high school girls who are moms. And Bill has spoken at more Young Life camps than anybody in the world. And so I'm just super honored and thankful that when we finally said, let's do something together, I didn't know it would be here. And I'm super thankful that Bill is here. I just want to say one thing, um, and that is um, turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, this is going to bless you. Oh, God.
Well, after an introduction like that, I can hardly wait to hear me, but uh, <laughs> thank thing. I, uh, I count it an honor and a joy uh, to be with you all today. And really, after an introduction like that, you go like, I wonder how you're going to feel when I'm finished. You know, you might go like, wow, how do you get that job? And so uh, <laughs> it might not be all of that. But if somebody were to say, hey, Bill, what do you do for a living? Matter of fact, why don't you ask me that? I hang out with people, I keep it real with them, and I ask them to keep it real with me. Amen? Amen? How many of you want me to be real today? Raise your hands. Okay, if I'm willing to be real, how many of you are willing to be real? Okay, look at the person next to you. Say, neighbor. We're going to find out. Okay, so uh, let me lay down a couple of rules. Ephesians 4.25 says, cease them with lying and tell your neighbor the truth because we're not separate units, but intimately united in Christ. I think that's God's way of saying for us to be real with each other. Amen? Okay, and then how many, how many people here are in this room right here who are under 20? Raise your hands. Okay, so we got enough young people here. I'm gonna use the teenager, at least the word I think for amen for teenagers is I. It's right without the R. Let's go there, I. Okay, so we're gonna to talk to our neighbor and we're gonna be, you'll use I for, for, for amen. And so the Bible says, know those that labor among you. Well, let me stop right here. First of all, what I've appreciated, I had an opportunity to go to Bible study this morning. And just the honesty and the transparency really touch my heart. Now, one of the things that wasn't mentioned here, I was a police officer for 20 years. And uh, you know, the Miranda warning says, anything you say will be used against you. <laughs> and so, you know, all the time I'm always sitting and I'm always listening. And then sometimes you'll say some stuff and then all of a sudden you'll find yourself in the sermon. And one of the things I found myself, <laughs> look at your neighbor say, neighbor, don't say anything around that brother. Okay, so. <laughs> But it, it just really blessed me today in a, in a very special way. So let me see how the Bible says, know those that labor among you. Uh, okay, but before I, you know me, I wanna find out some stuff about you, just by the raising of your hands. How many of you have found out life's a lot more difficult than you thought it would be? How many find out serving Jesus at times a lot more difficult than you thought it would be? How many of us find ourselves doing stupid stuff every once in a while? <laughs> how many of us do stupid stuff? We know it's stupid and we do it anyway. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, what in the ham sandwich is the matter with you? Okay, there we go. Okay. Say, neighbor. Oh, he won't be speaking here again. Okay, so. And how many of us have some stuff in our life, maybe something that we've done, our attitude about it is, oh my God, I hope nobody ever finds out I did that. Anybody have one of those? Say, neighbor. And I won't be telling you about it either. Okay. But what that does, it puts us all on a level playing field. And we look around and we watch people, maybe we look at some people who raise their hands with these questions, and you thought that their life was perfect, and you find out that their life is just like your life. And the Bible says the things that we go through, they're common. God lets us know that everybody goes through their share of stuff. So I want us to, to think about that as we go through today. Um, I was born and raised in New York City. I grew up in a very dysfunctional family. My mom was involved with organized crime. I don't really realize it's organized crime until I begin to investigate the mafia many years later. And I look back, I was like, dang, that's what mommy used to do. And, uh, <laughs> and I was a victim of some severe child abuse at her hands. And I didn't realize, I just thought I was getting my beaten. And uh, then I began to investigate child abuse. I look back, I was like, dang, that's what mommy used to do. <laughs> And I was at a Young Life camp, I saw a girl, she had a t-shirt on, it said, save your drama for your mama. Say, neighbor. neighbor. Bill's mama was his drama, okay. <laughs> and uh, 
but I grew up with her mom and dad and two cousins, A.B. and Betty. And daddy, as far as I'm concerned, no greater man has ever walked the face of this earth other than Jesus Christ. And he was God's saving grace in my life, and you'll understand why I say that. Betty was a young girl. She, she lived a very promiscuous life. If you have to ask what promiscuous means, you don't need to know. Okay, but she lived a wild lifestyle, and I saw a lot of that when I was a little boy. Uh, mom dies when I'm 13 years old. And uh, the day she dies, I find out she's not my mother. The girl who I thought was my cousin, Betty, that was my real mom. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. neighbor. Dang. <laughs> what do you do with that? And what do you do with that when you find out she was impregnated at 15 years old by a man that was 25 years old, my real father, who I made up my mind to kill, and uh, went to have me aborted. And the lady who made a living doing illegal abortions at that time talked her out of doing that abortion. And that lady became my godmother. Later on, gave her life to Jesus Christ. And in the year 2000, I officiated her funeral. So she could have buried me, but God gave me the honor of burying her. Say, neighbor. Dang, dang. Okay. But by that time, my life had spiraled out of control. I grew up a very angry young man, went to an all boys high school. I saw the high school here. 7,000 boys went to my high school. I played football there, I was a real good athlete in school, but as soon as football season ended my senior year, I quit school, began running the streets, hanging out with a crew that was doing bank robberies and murder, and so I joined the military to keep from going to jail. I thought that was a good option. Say, neighbor. We were in Vietnam at that time. Okay. <laughs> By God's grace, made it through the military, ended up in Korea rather than Vietnam, got out of the military. By this time, I had gotten married to my first wife, who has since gone on to be with Jesus after 46 years of marriage. But uh, two sons and six grandkids now, remarried eight years. And then, but I want to get on to this. So, boom, I, I go into the police department. They give me a badge, they give me a gun, they give me a uniform. But those things did not have the ability to change who I was. And it had no ability to change the character. And because I didn't have any character, I became a character. And then I began to deal with the brokenness of my past with drugs and alcohol. So here I was. I made detective very early on the SWAT team, strung out on drugs, alcoholic, violent, and abusive. And one day, I got real. I was watching TV, and a man on television asked two questions. He pointed at the screen. He was like he was in my house. He said, do you, are you a sinner? I said, yeah. He said, do you, do you know Jesus? I said, no. Say neighbor. You know you got issues if you get an attitude with the television. And, and so he said, call this telephone number. And I called the telephone number and a man explained to me the incredible love of Jesus Christ. And he said, come just like you are, Bill. And so that day I put my faith in Jesus and I came as I was and I was completely set free from drugs and alcohol and filled with the joy and peace I had never had before. My wife came home from shopping. I met her at the door. I said, Claudia, this is the new me. Jesus came into my life. I'm born again by the Spirit of God. My name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm a new creation in Christ. Because that's all the stuff that man told me on the telephone. Say, <laughs> say neighbor. Never say stupid stuff to a black woman. <laughs> and she went just like this. Yeah, right. And she thought God was going to kill me, but rather than killing me, he saved her and saved my sons and saved my dad at 83 years old and turned our entire household around. And I went back to work, a different police officer, and I stayed on the police department 10 more years. So I finished in 20 years. And then in June of 1990, and this is going to have to do with the talk today, I had a dream. I hated being a detective. I hated going to work in a suit and tie. So I transferred into street crime. Street crime, you just ride around looking for bad guys. And I, and I love that part of the job. And whoever I would lock up, I would tell them about Jesus. Hey, you know why you rob banks? You need Jesus in your life. Okay, so. And I would see many of these men and women give their lives to the Lord. But I, so I'm in street crime now, and I was as happy as could be. I was ministering to kids, and I loved it. And I remember saying to the Lord, I said, I'm never going to leave the police department. 
And uh, I went home one night and I had a dream. And in this dream, I was on my way to speak to kids. I had to speak at 7.30. The dream took place at 7.25. I'm walking down the middle of the street. Uh, there's nobody on the street except me. I'm on the double yellow line and I'm looking around and I come to a very modern looking school building. And I realize this is where the crime's gonna be committed. And so I start looking around, nobody comes. It gets closer to 7.30, I walk into an auditorium. And in this auditorium, there are thousands and thousands of people. White, black, brown, yellow, red, you name it, they were in there. And they were as close to me as you are. They were teenagers, and you couldn't see them. And I said, Lord, what does this mean? He said, these are kids who are seated in darkness who have not been illuminated by the light of Jesus Christ. And then in the dream, I said, I got to go. And I ran out the building to go catch the bad guys. Two guys come down the street. They begin to break into the school. They're burglars. A burglar is a thief. Jesus says the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I come that you would have life, and life like you never had it. One of them sees me, he knows my name, he calls my name, and the guys jump off a ladder, they get into a car and they take off. And in this dream, I'm jumping up and down. And I can't catch them. And I don't know what to do. And now in frustration, I turn to go speak to the kids. It's 7.30, and God speaks to me in this dream in a teenager's voice. He said, do you want to be a police officer? Or do you want to be a minister and tell kids about Jesus? And I was already both. I said, I want to tell kids about Jesus. I went inside, I began to speak to these young people. I woke up, I woke up my wife. And I said, I quit today. And I went to work that day and I turned in my gun, my badge, I said, I'm out. And I've never ever looked back. And since that time, God has literally, literally allowed me to go all over the world to tell young people about Jesus. Here's one thing the Lord said, no matter how many people you arrest, Bill, that's not how you're really gonna make a difference. The way you will really make a difference is to tell people about him. And so I will do that with a passion today and I'll share Christ and I'll share the scriptures. Know this about me, when I read the Bible, it turns into a movie for me. I, I just have an overactive imagination as you will find out as we go through this, okay? But I love the word of God, I love Jesus. And, and one of the things we sang this song about, you know, following him, follow me, Jesus says. He's quoted in the gospels, he's quoted as saying it nine times, but he's quoted 13 times, but he says it nine different times. He says, come on and follow me. And why would we want to follow Jesus? Because the Bible says nobody ever spoke like he spoke. Amen. That when he spoke, his words had the ring of authority and power. He didn't speak like the religious leaders. Religious in this context, people who thought they knew what God was like and they didn't have a clue. Say neighbor. I can't stand people like that. Okay. <laughs> And those people couldn't stand Jesus and ultimately would call for his death, okay? And then when it came to changing the lives of men and women, people would step back and they would say things like, we've never seen anything like that before. And in, the, in the case of the man that was the demoniac, he went home so changed, the Bible says, and the people were utterly amazed. We heard some wonderful things today during the, uh, the announcements. And I, I love that thing about, you know, that, that, the, the vessel with the water in it. You know what the Bible says about you? It, it says this, for out of your belly shall flow living rivers of water. That woman at the well, she was thirsty. Give me this water. And you have that water in you. And his name is Jesus. And I really do believe that God wants to pour you out in this community to give people the thing that they're really thirsting for, even though they might not recognize that. I? Okay, so we'll do this quickly. Uh, I was in the Ukraine and I, I asked this pastor, I said, how long do you want me to talk? He said, at least an hour and a half. Look at your neighbor, say neighbor. <laughs> this ain't the Ukraine. Okay, so here we go. 
I, I've heard an expression, blessed are the brief, where they might be invited again. So uh, I'll do this. But I, I love I read the Phillips translation and, and I love it because it kind of breaks things down in a in a language for me that I can easily understand. Philippians 2 5 says it this way. One translation, King James, you know, let, therefore let this mind be in you that's also in Christ Jesus. But the, the, the Phillips translation says, therefore, let Jesus Christ be your example as to what your attitude should be. I think God says through that verse, to me at least, you really want to see how to live life? Check out my son. Look at how he lived life. Look at how he dealt with circumstances and situations and then pattern yourself after him. Jesus himself says, without me, you can do nothing. Okay, I don't think it's a, a figure of speech. I think he's being real. We really need his help to live this thing out. All right? Okay, so, so here is Jesus. And, you know, people would come to him and they would ask him, what I love about Jesus, you can't put him in a box. Very rarely does he do the same thing the same way. Very rarely does he answer the same question the same way. And so I, I think about this, and I'm going to paraphrase some stuff just for the expedience of time. But in the book of Mark, in the 10th chapter, beginning at the 17th verse. Now, here's Jesus. He's called these guys to come and follow him. What, now, I want you to use your imagination today. You're one of those disciples. You're with him. And I've thought about, wow, what would it have been like to be with Jesus for those three years? When he said, come on and follow me to the disciples, do you think they had the slightest idea that he meant forever? But he meant it forever. And so they began to follow him. And they began to watch him and they began to listen to him. And, and so he says, come on, follow me. And so here's what it says there. It says, there's, and as it happened, he, he took to the road again and a man came running up to him and fell at his feet and asked him. So here's now Jesus says, let's go, guys. And now the crowd comes. You come. And all of a sudden you watch and a man busts out of the crowd, runs up in front of Jesus, drops on his knees. You and I look forward. Hmm, what's going on over there? And you're close enough to hear the conversation. And the man says, good teacher, what can I do to have eternal life? Wow. Great question. Very important to get a good answer. I, and we're going, hmm, what's that all about? And then as, as he has, now you look at Jesus. Jesus says, why do you call me good? Jesus's words, not Bill Page's words. Why do you call me good? For there is no one that's good except God. The problem was this guy just didn't know he was talking to God in the flesh. The Bible says great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh and he did it in the person of Jesus Christ. I, Nevertheless, you know the commandments. You know, I talk to kids a lot. Kids feel God has too many rules. How many of you have ever felt God has too many rules? Anybody in the house? Oh, just four of us? Praise the Lord. <laughs> Say neighbor. I thought you said you were going to be real. Okay. So, but kids would say, God has too many rules. And they would love to get God to change some of those rules, but God's not going to change those rules. So he looks at him and he says, why do you call me good? There's no one that's good except God. Nevertheless, you know the commandments. Don't commit murder, don't commit adultery, don't lie, don't steal, don't cheat anyone, honor your mother and your father. Okay. Anybody here break any of those rules ever? <laughs> I've broken all of them, even the murder. Because the Bible says if you've ever hated someone in your heart, as far as God is concerned, that's murder. How many murderers we got in the house? Okay. <laughs> 16 of us, praise the Lord. Okay. How many of us don't want to be murdered? What's wrong with God's rules? He says, don't commit adultery. 
The Bible says if you ever look or the desire to have sex with somebody who's not your husband or your wife, that's a, adultery to God. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. I hope he doesn't ask us to raise our hands now. <laughs> Just a thought. Okay, so. How many of us would never want somebody to commit adultery on us? What's wrong with these rules? Don't lie. How many of us have ever lied? How many of us don't be, like being lied to or lied on? What's wrong with these rules? How many of us have ever stolen something in our lives? Anybody? How many don't want people stealing our stuff? What's wrong with these rules? He says, don't cheat. How many of us have ever cheated at something? First of all, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, how does this man know so much about you? Okay. <laughs> really, because that's where that thing these things are common to a man. How many of us don't like being cheated? What's wrong with God? How many of you ever cheated playing solitaire? Anybody in the house? <laughs> it's pretty bad when we cheat ourselves, I'm just saying. And then he says, honor your mom and your dad. How many of us have ever had some mommy or daddy drama? How many of you ever said some things under your breath you should not have said? Maybe even use profanity, okay? So Jesus said, you know, Jesus the loving, Jesus the compassionate. If any man or woman curses their mother or their father, let them die the death. If you were ever disrespectful to a parent back like that, back in the day, they would take you down to the village square and they'd stone you to death. This young man says, I've kept all of those rules since I was a little boy. From being a police officer, I'm very confrontative at times, but let's just say he was sitting in this seat that's empty right there. And as I've asked you those questions, most of you have raised your hands, and, and if you didn't, that's okay. Okay, so. <laughs> but I've noticed he hasn't raised his hand one time. What's up with you? How come you can't be real? I've kept all of those rules. I've kept all of those commandments since I was a little boy. And the Bible says Jesus knew all men, looked at him, and loved him. Another translation said his heart warmed towards him. Nevertheless, you lack one thing. Go, take everything you have and sell it and take that money and give it to poor people. Pick up your cross and come on and follow me and you'll have riches in heaven where seemingly he wants to go. And at that saying, the Bible says he turned and he walked away because he was very wealthy. Jesus turns to his disciples. He said, you see what kind of problems rich people will have about getting into heaven? He didn't say rich people couldn't go to heaven. But he also said, you can't serve God and money. You can't have two gods in your life. The disciples are listening. And then it says this. And they discussed amongst themselves. Well, then who can have eternal life? In other words, if this guy's not going to get in, how am I going to get in? What I love about Peter, Peter is always real. He ain't always right, but he's always real. <laughs> and, you know, he's thinking the same thing. And then Jesus says, with human beings, it's impossible. Jesus' words, it's impossible for anyone to have eternal life. But with God, all things are possible. And so therefore, God is going to have to do something for any of us to have eternal life. He looked good on the outside, but God doesn't look at the outside. God looks at the heart. Maybe some of us can be just like that guy. Not me, of course, but some of us can be like that guy. And we look good on the outside, but God's searching our hearts. What was wrong with his heart? He didn't love Jesus enough to follow him, and he didn't love the poor enough to do anything for them. And so it showed you where his heart was. I love that story. And there's far more to it than that. But then another man in the book of Luke in the 10th chapter comes and asks the same question. 
But before we go to his question, let's go to Luke 9. Luke 9, 51 says, and when it came time for Jesus to go back to heaven, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And then translation says he set his face like a flint. And he knew what was waiting for him in Jerusalem. He knew that he would be put to death. He knew that he would die on a cross that was never meant for him, but was meant for us. And because of his love, the love of God would be demonstrated at that cross that while we were sinners, Jesus Christ would die for us. And so now he goes. You know, in Luke 8, it says he went into every town and village preaching the good news of the kingdom of God. Jesus says, I come to seek and to save those who are lost. I come to destroy the works of the devil. I come that you would have life and life like you've never had it before or life to the full. And so now he's getting ready to go. And, but he sent some, some of his boys into this town. They're going through the land of the Samaritans. The Samaritans were people who were despised by Jewish people at that time. They were a, a blended nation. They were people who come out of a blended family, uh, Syrians and Jews who had intermarried, very much like our interracial marriages today. And they couldn't stand them. And I guess as a response of not being where people couldn't stand, they didn't, didn't stand them back. And now they know that Jesus is going to Jerusalem and they wouldn't give him a place to stay. And the disciples come back incensed. They didn't entreat us, Lord, one translation says. You want us to rain fire down on them and kill all of them like Elisha did? Say neighbor. <laughs> they didn't learn a lot from the Prince of Peace. <laughs> and in the King James Version, it says this. And Jesus rebuked them. And he said, you don't know what spirit you are. For the Son of Man did not come to take men's lives. He came to give life. So even though they were followers of Jesus, they had some prejudice going on in their own hearts. Because Jesus, people said all kinds of stuff about Jesus. They never said a word. But now, these Samaritans didn't entreat them. And uh, they want to kill them. And Jesus steps to them. And Jesus steps to you and I when we get out of order. How many of us have ever been out of line with the Lord? How many of us have ever had the Holy Spirit kind of like step to us and go like, what's going on with that? <laughs> Say neighbor. He does know you. Okay. So here, now we're in chapter 10. And I'll, I'll read part of this and then I'll move on so I'm not going over my time. But an hour and a half, we're good. Okay, so. So then it says this. Then one of the experts of the law stood up to test him and said, Master, what must I do to have eternal life? Same question. And I love it the way the, this translation of Well, what does the law say? And what has your reading taught you? He's a lawyer, not like an attorney of law like we have today, but he's a man that studies the law of God. They considered themselves experts in the law and what it meant. And, and, and so he says, well, what is the what is the law taught you? And what have you learned? You know, there's a scripture in the Bible that says ever learning, but never coming to the truth. So uh, the law says thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. And he, Jesus says, quite right. Wow. He was given a test and he got 100 on it. I remember sometimes growing up, I didn't do well in school, but you know, you, you, you grow up and you get the test and then they give you the bonus question. Okay, if I get 100 on the test, I'm not going for the bonus question, okay? Okay, so, then, so here's what it says. Quite right, do this and you will live. But the man wanting to justify himself continued, but who is my neighbor? You know, in, in, in the black church, we always do that neighbor thing. 
but I want to do things that align themselves with the Bible. And so when I found that Ephesians 4.25 verse, yeah, we could do this. But God is telling us to love our neighbor. Look at your neighbor. Say neighbor. neighbor. Say it with authority. Say neighbor. neighbor. Loving me, Loving me. Is, not is not optional. Okay. Okay. We don't get the opportunity. I like this corner right over there. The crew right there. Okay. 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 There we go. okay. So. So Jesus tells this parable. We all know the story. He tells about a young man who left Jerusalem and went down to Jericho. Why down to Jericho? Because Jerusalem's 2,600 feet above sea level. Jericho's 800 feet below sea level. It's the lowest city in the world today. Okay. And the road to get there was very windy, 19 miles or so. It was called the way of blood because bandits used to hang out on that road. And we all know that Jesus here is speaking a parable. Parables are natural stories with a spiritual meaning, but now I want to take the spiritual meaning and give it a natural spin. I Say neighbor. neighbor. He's going to get in trouble. Okay, so, so he goes down there. Maybe he's not thinking. Maybe he forgets about the danger. Maybe he thought he was more than he was. Uh, how many of us have ever been told, don't do that, and you did that? How many of you ever had to face the I told you so finger? You know, it ain't the I told you so finger so much. It's the neck that goes with it. I told you so. <laughs> but if we would listen, we might not have to face that bad boy. Okay, so. He goes down and all of a sudden these bandits come and they beat him down. They steal his money. They steal his clothing and they leave him on the road half dead. And then the Bible says and a priest came along. A man of God. The priest comes along and sees him there. And the Bible says and he crosses over on the other side. You found out some things about me. You know, I was a police officer. You know, I was a minister. Okay. Uh, you know, I was in the military. Uh, been taught some things and learned some stuff about how to help broken people. Suppose you were on the road that day and you saw me walk by. And then you saw me walk on the other side. How many of you would be disappointed or would have expected me to do something? Raise your hands. Okay. But I don't. How come? And maybe as far as this priest was concerned, he had a good reason not to do it because this man is bleeding. He's bloodied. He's been left half dead. And if you touch him, he's got really what's called an issue of blood. He becomes contaminated for six days. He won't be able to speak. Ceremonially, he's unclean. He has to set himself aside. And suppose I said, well, I, I couldn't do that. I, I got to go speak at CCC. You know, I'm just saying. Yeah. And he walks away. I always think about this, and again, I know it's a parable, but it comes live for me. What is that man? He's half dead. He's not fully dead. And he looks up and he sees a priest. Oh, thank God. Only to see that priest walk away. People know you're the God people. People in your community know you come here. They're expecting a difference from you and me if they knew who I was and what I did. And then a Levite comes by and the Bible says and he saw him. So both of them saw him and he crossed over on the other side. Levites were those who assisted the priests in, in the office at the temple. He leaves them there as well. Maybe it's monkey see, monkey do. Maybe he hasn't had a, a good example. But now we do have a good example and his name is Jesus. And we've been called to pattern our lives after him. And then he tells this story. And remember, he's talking to Jewish people. And then a Samaritan came along. I guess riding on his donkey. 
And it says, and he saw him. So all three people saw him. But it said his heart went out to him. He had compassion on him. And I wonder, you know, when you've been kicked to the curb, you know what it's like. When you've been hurt, you know what it's like. And if we allow God to do something in our lives with the hurt that we have received, for the Bible says that God is the God of all comfort and mercy, and he gives us comfort in our trials. Why? So that we can give comfort to others and theirs. And the more that we share Christ's sufferings, the more we are able to give his encouragement. This means if we have to experience trouble, we can pass on to you the same sort of spiritual help that we ourselves have received. Amen. Wow. 2 Corinthians 1, read it for yourself. His heart goes out to him and he gets down off of his donkey. And the Bible says, and he began to bandage him. And what I love about this man, he's, he doesn't have any clothes on. You can't distinguish what kind of man he is. He, is he a Samaritan? Is he a Jew? Is he a Gentile? Who is this guy? We don't know. To this Samaritan, it doesn't make a difference. He begins to bandage him. Where did he get the bandages from? Is he carrying a first aid kit around? <laughs> Maybe he tears something off of his own garment. And then he said, the Bible says, and he began to apply oil and wine. Oil and wine, symbolic things of who you and I are and what you and I have or who you and I have. The oil, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. For the Bible says, for the anointing is in you. God has given you that wine. You're that new creation. Something that was natural been turned into something supernaturally spiritual. And he applies those things. You know, that priest had those things. It would be important for the priest to have those things. But he doesn't use them. And uh, he hangs out with them. But that's not enough. Okay, I bandaged them up. I poured the wine and the oil. What am I going to do now? Okay. All of a sudden, he picks him up, maybe throws him over his shoulder, fireman, lifts him up on his own donkey. And as he tears that donkey by the reins, he looks down at his own clothing. And what does he see? Oil, wine, dirt, blood. He's gotten so close to him that what he's given that man has now come back to him. A lot of times we want God to use us, but we don't even use what we already have. Because the more you use it, the more God will bring it back to you. And he takes him to town. And he stays with him all night long. And in my own imagination, I think about that. Maybe during the night, this guy's going in and out of consciousness. Sores begin to ooze with pus and he just wipes them down with a cool rag. Maybe a temperature, he puts a cool rag on his head. Maybe the guy wakes up groggy and he looks at the foot of his bed and there's a stranger sitting there. And at the very least, he's praying for him. Maybe he doesn't understand that he's praying, but he's talking to somebody who's not in the room. And whoever he's talking to He's talking to that person about him. Yesterday, Tom and I were, I went to get some water and there was a lady and she was on a, a, a rocker, a roller. And she was calling from across the way, Tom, Tom, Tom. And then finally we heard her and realized that, and we stopped. 
she's on dialysis and she's in need maybe of a transplant and just to pray for her there in the supermarket meant so much to her. Wow. Didn't just walk away from her, didn't just leave her there, but at the very least, prayed for her. At the very least, we can pray for people. We can intercede in their behalf, but it's far more important to be hands-on. There are people in your lives that are broken. There are people in your lives that are on the wayside, half dead. They look good on the outside, but on the inside, they're dying. You hear people say, how you doing? I'm doing great. Huh, let your face know. Okay, so the thing is this. <laughs> they're there. And he stays all night long. And in the morning, he says to the innkeeper, he gives him two denarii, a couple of days wages. Some people say far more than that. And he said, and if that's not enough, I'll pay the rest when I come back. In other words, it's not over. It's not a one and done thing. I'm gonna be in this person's life. One of the things that I love about young life is that we walk with kids. It's not just one and done. We're there. They can call, they can get help, and there's always somebody available by the incredible grace of God. I date myself here. When I was growing up, they had a program that used to come on called The Lone Ranger. <laughs> and at the end of each program, The Lone Ranger would do something incredible. And people would ask this question Who was that masked man? <laughs> and then you hear The Lone Ranger, Hoyo Silver, hoy, whatever that means. Okay, so that's what people need to say when they experience you, when they experience compassion, when they experience care, when they experience love, you walk away from them and leave them scratching their heads because they know you're the God people. I think about this Samaritan, very symbolic to Jesus. Behold, your king comes lowly and riding on an ass that he sits high and he looks low. His ears are not dull that they cannot hear, neither are his arms short that they cannot save. He lifts us out of the pit. He seats us in the heavenly place. He binds up all of our afflictions. He's anointed. Jesus did not go about not committing sin. The Bible says in the book of Acts in the 10th chapter, the Bible says Jesus Christ, a man anointed by God, went about doing good. And because he always did good, he never committed sin. But it's all about being good conscious. You and I sometimes, unfortunately, are sin conscious. God says, get wrapped up in doing good. Get wrapped up in doing what's right. For he that knows to do good and doesn't do good to him, her, it's sin. It's Jesus. It's Jesus who pays the price. It's Jesus, like the man in the story, who's coming back again. It's Jesus who comes out of a blended family because his mama and the person of Mary was human, but his daddy was divine. That same Jesus lives inside of you.
And so as we finish this parable, Jesus says these words. Which of these three seemed to have been a neighbor to the victim of the band, of the bandit's victim? And he said, the man that showed compassion. He wouldn't even say Samaritan. Mm-hmm. What I love about Jesus, he don't let that hook him. I would think, though, he might have just went like, Then go and do likewise. I finished with this. The other day I was doing a morning devotion and I came across this prayer. Here's what it says. Triune God, you are a community of three united in selfless love. Each one utterly and completely for the other. Remind me again that this is the grain of the universe that unless I live in love for you and for others, I am not living in the flow of your one love. Or for that matter, really living at all. Jesus says, uh, how can you say you love God, whom you've never seen, and not love your neighbor, who you have? He's just calling you and I. Love him. Love our neighbor. Love God. Love people, including ourselves. Nothing else matters. Let God take you, the salt of the earth, and sprinkle you in this community in the midst of hurting, broken people who need the living water that's inside of you. Say, neighbor, you're far more valuable than you think. Father God, today in the name of Jesus, I thank you for these, your sons and daughters. I ask your blessings upon them. I pray that you would give them wisdom, discernment, sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. You would give them Holy Ghost appointments with people who need to know who you are. Reveal yourself in them and through them. We thank you for that today, Lord God. We bless you. Thank you for our time together this morning. In Jesus' name. I thank you. What did you make me for? What are you calling me to? What do you have in
I go.